Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden of Witt University in Johannesburg. A very good morning to you, Kobus. Good morning. Today we're going to be staying in Kobus's neighborhood in South Africa to talk about a very broad-based ICT partnership. Now, for those of you not familiar with ICT, that stands for Internet Communications Technology, and the Chinese have signed this really broad-based deal to work together. Uh, with the South African government, and it's an extension of a deal that I think was signed about five years ago that deepens the investment and skills transfer and partnership on technology matters in society. Kobus, tell us a little bit about what they're calling a plan of action that was signed between telecommunications and postal minister Sia Bonga Kwele and and China's minister of industry and information technology Miao Wei. What are some of the highlights of the pact? Yes, this is a very broad agreement, um, and it, it it calls for cooperation in a whole bunch of different different areas, including um, strategies for implement, implementing wider broadband access, um, getting rural access, um, you know, kind of more investment in in internet um, communi- communication services, more skills training. But the thing that I think is really controversial is that it also plans for um, cooperation between China and South Africa on internet governance. Hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of the, after that came out, the, the South African opposition kind of went nuts a little okay. bit. Well, let's first take a listen to what the principals had to say. Uh, first, we'll hear from, again, China's Minister of Industry and Information Technology, Miao Wei, followed by Minister Kwele from South Africa. By signing the agreement, we want to provide the Chinese enterprises with a window to develop broadband and infrastructure construction, as well as explore new markets for the Internet enterprises in South Africa. The agreement we've just signed today is very important for the advancement of the bilateral agreement and the program of action which we directed by our presidents in our strategic relationship with China. Key among these is the cooperation around the areas of uh, the ICT investment, particularly broadband and other ICT technologies. Uh, Secondly, we have to work together in opportunities which are brought in terms of localization and industrialization, skills uh, transfer and skills exchange. Now, although the list that you said, Kobus, and hearing from the ministers themselves, this all sounds really good. After all, one of the biggest criticisms of the Chinese in Africa is that there isn't enough technology transfer. There isn't enough skills transfer, uh, particularly in this new Internet-connected economy that we have. Uh, and, and Africans lag far, far behind, you would think that this would be greeted uh, with a lot of elation and happiness and joy. But, ah, uh, alas, in South Africa's politics, nothing is that simple. The second largest party, the Democratic Alliance, they are the main opposition party to the ANC, and they came out strong against this deal. Marion Shin is the DA shadow minister of tele- telecommunications and postal services. And in a statement representing the DA, China has earned a reputation for suppressing freedom of expression of its citizens by clamping down on social media sites, erecting firewalls to restrict citizens' access to news and information from outside sources, and mounting cyber attacks on Western corporations, said in a statement. So, uh, a lot of controversy. What was interesting was in the week since the announcement was made, Kobus, I, I looked for other 
kind of criticism of the deal. And I didn't find any. And that's surprising to me because typically uh, South Africans and, and all the different special interest groups that are that are there around Pretoria are not shy about criticizing either Jacob Zuma uh, or the Chinese. And so the fact that I only saw the Democratic Alliance come out against this pact made me a little bit suspicious that the Alliance and the DA are taking advantage of this for pure domestic politics or do you think there's actually some substance to the fact that they're opposing the Chinese? You know, kind of, this is actually such a such a complicated question. I think one one in one issue that needs to be taken into account is the role that that concerns about the internet and concerns about information and media freedom play in South Africa, in the sense that it's frequently positioned as this kind of middle class issue um you know so issues around jobs or labor you know kind of there would be there would be fights between the unions and the government so that would take it to a much kind of broader broader arena but you know kind of issues around internet internet access is even though South Africans, many South Africans are desperate for more internet access, um, and that's especially true for poor South Africans, um, in, in, where, when it becomes politicized, it's frequently positioned as this kind of middle class or white issue. And that, I think, you know, kind of the, the fact that the DA is really focusing on it kind of plays into that tendency in South African politics. Yeah. And then another kind of fear that was kind of circulating in the blogosphere and on the Twitter sphere about this deal was that, you know, somehow big, bad, menacing China is going to use South Africa now as a staging ground through this deal to launch cyber attacks uh, elsewhere, which is just the worst and the height of paranoia because the Chinese don't need little tiny South Africa to do that. The Chinese are ripping no. off for the Americans four million addresses and names and personal information right out of the Office of Personal Management without the help of South Africa. So, I mean, it's just the height of naivete when you hear these kind of conspiracy theories because the Chinese are doing fine on their own without, you know, any country in Africa to do these, to these kind of attacks. Exactly. And I mean, and, and to be fair that, that, you know, kind of quite soon after those fears were raised, there were also kind of water were thrown on them, you know, kind of, so right. they, yeah. they, 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 those aren't the biggest, the, the, the biggest concerns or the biggest reason people are, people are worried. The, the more fundamental reason why people are worried about this is that it seems to fit into a wider role of, of the South African government being much more interventionist, um, generally, but also, you know, kind of specifically about media so there is a, a law that regulates um that regulates the media which is, is like this vampire lord you know kind of that keeps staking it in the heart in the in the constitutional court and then it just keeps rising back up um and you know kind of it it, it would um you know may have make it much harder on whistleblowers and much harder on disclosing, you know, kind of state or, or strategic information, which is defined in a very broad way. Um, there is also another a censorship law um, that's being discussed at the moment, which is extremely broad and would essentially force anyone who uploads anything to, you, to YouTube in South Africa to first register it with the, with the publications board, which is the board which used to be the apartheid era kind of censorship board, and it's now a kind of a regulation board. Now, all of these things are couched under security language. You know, kind of, so, so this, this YouTube law is about, ostensibly about protecting children from kind of negative content or violent and sexual content. Um, but what, what the, the impact is, you know, kind of, is that it's, 
it's extremely broad. So either clumsily broad or you know, kind of deliberately vague in well, order to, you know, kind of to, to widen control. And that's not surprising because a lot of the new internet governance laws in the United States and in France are intentionally broad in order to give policymakers the most flexibility in their, uh, in their implementation of these laws. Now, here's what I kind of interpret this. I'm going to give this uh, a big thumbs up because I think it's fantastic in one sense, and I'll get to that. But also, here's my, my areas of concern that I'd like you to, to kind of respond to. You know, I was just talking today in another podcast about this war of ideas that's out there. And, and the Americans, for the most part, don't really believe that there's a war of ideas because we believe that after the Cold War and the defeat of communism in the Soviets, well, that was it. We won. Uh, but today there is a war of ideas between kind of the Washington consensus and then China's model of kind of authoritarian capitalism with heavy state control. And then the third idea, of course, is religious extremism was what we're seeing in Mali and northern Nigeria, Libya, and those places like that. South Africa, in many senses, is a battleground for this war of ideas. Now, the Americans come in with a much more open view of the Internet and Internet governance, uh, less censorship. Uh, certainly on the security front, we've been much more interventionist than we pretend to be. But at the same time, we still believe in a more open Internet than what the Chinese do. The Chinese come in and they believe in a contained, controlled Internet, one where deep packet inspection is part, part and parcel of monitoring people, monitoring media, monitoring activities on the web, all, of course, in the name of harmonizing society, state security, you know, all the different propaganda tools that are being used in South Africa, the Chinese use themselves as well. And so my concern in these types of deals is that when the Chinese are working one-on-one -on -one directly with their South African counterparts, this culture starts to come into the play. Uh, the, this is what this war of ideas, uh, you know, kind of how it takes shape, and that South African internet governance and internet policy starts to resemble the Chinese way of looking at the world just by virtue of the proximity of the two working so close together, whereas the Americans or the Europeans simply aren't present because they're not launching deals as vast, as broad as this. They're not putting money behind their deals. They're not bringing the rural technology experts out into uh, into rural uh, in, in, uh, you know, South Africa to do this. And so as a result, they're just not present. And so I worry that in some senses, South Africa's internet will in 5, 10, 15 years start to look more like the Russian, the Chinese, the Iranian internet and, and become less open. Yes, I mean that, that's definitely that. That's what what South Africans are worried about as well, um, and it it you know it, it reflects a wider. Um, struggle around the, you know, kind of what South Africa's role is going to be in the future. From the, 90, you know, from, from the, the end of apartheid, especially in the 1990s, South Africa was very clearly positioned within uh, a very 1990s kind of uh, paradigm, which is kind of economic neoliberalism together with a strong rights culture. So a, a very Western-centered kind of way of thinking. Um, and, you know, South Africa was essentially the poster child for, for, for a lot of that, that kind of um, thinking in, during the 1990s under Nelson Mandela. Now, under Jacob Zuma, South Africa is, is increasingly kind of moving towards this kind of centralist... Um, a developmental state model um, with a much stronger government, a much more interventionist government, and uh, you know, kind of a lot of central planning. So, 
and and that goes together with you know with with personal relationships BRICS relationships every in in all of these different ways south africa is moving into the orbit of russia and and also of china um you know kind of a china is is becoming much more um, influential on a, lots of different levels not only on a development level but on a kind of a uh, a state culture level mm. um and yeah, so south africa is a little bit of an indicator of of the 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 the, the, the rise of china not only as a, as a kind of a development example, but as a way of being in the world, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, kind of, of a Chinese way of being in the world, being exported beyond beyond the borders of China. Well, it's really um, a, a deepening of the relationship between the two sides. We've seen the ANC kind of, you know, enter into a broad-based partnership with the Chinese Communist Party. There's been military engagements this past year, uh, obviously political rapprochement uh, in many ways. Uh, it's really been quite dramatic, and this is just another step towards a, a closer partnership between the two. Yeah, keep in mind that the that the Chinese Communist Party is also funding the uh, leadership academy That's for right. the ANC. For the ANC, um, you know, kind of so. So it's literally like management management mechanisms and kind of a party culture that is that is you know that they're in very close you know kind of conversation with. So it's a much bigger move than just simply an internet move. Um, you know, kind of, and, and, and you see both the strengths and the worrying aspects of that in this internet law, you know, kind of, because if there's one thing that South Africa desperately needs is more internet, you know, kind of the, the internet in South Africa is, is quite slow and quite expensive. Um, you know, so, so South Africans pay more for weaker broadband than most other people are used to paying. Um, and, you know, kind of, so, so, so South Africa needs a stronger internet. It's just one of the fundamental things that they need. But then it does come with a whole bunch of, uh, of, of all kinds of mechanisms that, that could in, entrench state power. And it also seems to come with a, a very paranoid and interventionist kind of way of thinking about the internet. Okay. You know, that's, that's also seems inherited from China. But to be fair, we spent half the show now talking about the kind of the, the bad sides, the scares, the fears, all of the paranoia, which I think is legitimate. So I don't want to take anything away from that. China does has earned a reputation for, you know, for being an internet bully in many respects, both as a, a predator at, uh, on the espionage route, but also uh, with its own people. That said, let's kind of look at the more positive side of this. And this is where, when I hear Marion Shin, uh, I get a little bit frustrated because on the one hand, the DA is saying, you know, about China, what they do to their own people, and obviously the way they got, they do internet governance. That has nothing to do with what China is proposing to do in South Africa. And the fact is that China is the world's largest telecommunications market now. It's the world's largest internet market. It's the world's largest mobile handset market. There is an enormous amount of expertise that the Chinese have built up in becoming the largest market in across ICT sectors. And I think they can bring a lot to Africa and to South Africa in particular. I'll tell a little story. I was in Xinjiang about 10 years ago, and think back 10 years ago where we were in the mobile uh, connectivity era, uh, which was just as it was beginning. And I was out in a rural kind of area, and lo and behold, this China Unicom truck rolled up, and I was just sitting at a little coffee shop there in the square. And all of a sudden, this big giant like arm stretched up on the top of the, uh, of the truck, went up into the air about 15 meters, and everybody came out and started... <laughs> binging out their cell phones. And there we had mobile connectivity in the middle of the countryside, which would never have had it. 
And it's this kind of expertise that the Chinese, who were doing this a decade ago, can bring to places like rural South Africa that desperately need it. And so when I look at the list of things from cybersecurity, listen, the United States just got hacked again, not necessarily by the Chinese, but somebody else. Cybersecurity, on the one hand, is an aggressive predatory act, but on the other hand, it's a defensive mechanism as well. And the South Africans need those kind of defenses unless they want to uh, to be entirely vulnerable. Uh, rural development, the e-skills training, the e-government, the internet governance, and the also the R&D and ICT. These are all things that the Chinese can bring uh, that are desperately needed. And no better partner is out there than the Chinese, given their own experience. The the other side of that, though, is that um, I think it, the, 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 this issue really also reveals some of the weaknesses of the West, you know, kind of in, 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 in the way that they, the, the West's role as this kind of, um, how can I say, kind of thought leader, that the way that they position themselves. So on the one hand, the West represents this incredibly free internet and free um, culture of, of exchange. On the other hand, they, you know, kind of, they are very hands off in terms of, of bringing internet to the rest of the world. They're not particularly interested in helping to expand these networks. And at the same time, they, they're actually, you know, um, you know, the Western governments are incredibly paranoid themselves and, and do a lot of surveillance themselves. So morally, they don't really have much of a leg to stand on. So, and, and that kind of opens a, a position where, you know, kind of the way the, the very fact that one is a government and that one is extending the internet also means one is extending government government supported surveillance, and that I think is you know it's it's a it's a worrying kind of queasy situation where because on the one hand I completely agree with you, um, China is incredibly efficient with all of this, and it um, you know kind of and if there's one country that that you want on your side if you're busy expanding networks then it's China because they do it so well and their their companies are so sophisticated and they they're used to working in in these kind of environments. On the other hand, you know kind of if you're worried like South Africans are worried about about state overreach and. The you know kind of just the the gathering of all of the power within a society within a party state you know kind of a party centered state then closer relationship with China is worrying because yeah, but, China is also the but, paragon for that model. But isn't that a double standard in the sense that let's say this was a U.S. partnership and we were talking about exactly the same things? Do you think the DA would have the same concerns when in fact we know for a fact thanks to Edward Snowden, that the United States government, maybe it's not a party like the ANC, but the United States government was sucking up every single email, was intercepting social networks, uh, you know, traffic, was taking up in, in is collecting all of the, the mobile communications uh, uh, data that Americans do and then even from other countries around the world. So we're seeing that the United States in many ways is just as inf- interventionist as other countries under the guise of security. In fact, they are the ones putting back doors on hardware uh, and then cracking certain software uh, codes to, in order to put back doors on to make them inherently weaker for security. So very, very aggressive interventionist. Do you think the DA and even yourself would be issuing these types of concerns if the United States was doing it and not the Chinese. That's well. That's exactly what I mean. Is that this idea that the West stands for liberty? You know, kind of in this particular case, is a kind of a fake idea. You know, kind of because because all of these governments are incredibly interventionist. I mean, the the UK government is really problematic, and you know, kind of in the in these cases, and and actually approaches China on certain kind of certain on certain kind of levels. 
I think the big difference is that the intervention in the Chinese case is much more on a much more granular level. So, you know, kind of obviously when you go to China, you feel that intervention you know, kind of on a, on a daily basis using the internet. Certain things you just can't find or certain services you just can't use. And everyone is using VPNs to try and get around them. The, the U.S. is harvesting all this information and is incredibly interventionist in its way. But I think it doesn't manifest on such a kind of mm-hmm. everyday level. That's a fair point. And there, I think the, the, the big difference is. But I think the UK, if, if you look at the UK, actually they, they're starting to like bridge the difference between the two because, you know, kind of the UK has been very aggressive in, um, you know, kind of in making it harder to reach porn sites, for example. Um, you know, kind of and, and trying, to, um, trying to bring in, you know, kind of this uh, a kind of a blanket... Um, a, bl- a blanket um, service provider, you know, kind of monitoring of of, of internet site content. So, you know, kind of, so it's not a, a, a clean-cut kind of like West is good, you know, China's bad situation. Everyone is incredibly interventionist, but in these slightly different kind of ways. Okay, well, of course, if you want to follow what we're doing on the internet, hopefully the open internet, the best way to do it is to check us out over on Facebook at facebook.com slash China Africa Project. But Kobus, if people want to follow what you're reading and writing on a daily basis, what's the best way for them to stay in touch? I'm on Twitter at Stadenesk. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. And you can find me over on Twitter as well at E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. And of course, if you want to follow this podcast, uh, don't miss us on the China File website. That's the Asia Society's excellent China website. We post the show up there every week. Uh, but if you'd like to find us on iTunes, just look for China Africa. We show up. And of course, on SoundCloud as well under uh, China Talking Points is where you can find us there. We'll be back again very soon with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. Thank you so much for listening.